I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 10. So I did a thing. Oh, Lord. I listened to Let's Not Meet. Oh, <laughs> oh did you? Wait, 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 wait. I know this, but tell them you listened to it on the way home that night. I did. And first of all, <laughs> I was a scared little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, not that serious, but I really was scared. I was really like, oh, my God. And then yes. because my drive home's not like 10 minutes maybe from here. And so I didn't get to like finish the first part of like the first story in the first episode. And so I was like yeah. sitting in my car listening to it. And then I was like, this is so freaking creepy. I have to go inside. <laughs> this is so creepy. And it scared me a lot. Between mm-hmm. that and the black eyed peas. That you did, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can. That's I'm. I know. I'm still on Let's Not Meet. I'm on, like, episode 30-something. Cool. I'm okay. I'm on, like, three. (laughs) I am so freaking addicted. Well, okay. I went and got a library card. And (laughs) because, oh, and they still had me in the system from when I was, like, five. Whoa. So they did transfer me over to the computer because (laughs) did not have computers (laughs) when I got my first library card. So I got a library card because our local library, you can download an app called Hoopla and you get like six ebooks or audiobooks a month for free. That is so cool. I'm going to go do it too. I did it, obviously, because I just said I did. <laughs> but you have to have a library card with like your number to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, so I downloaded an audiobook. And I checked out a book. I don't know what what <laughs> made me be like, yeah, check that book out and all your free time read it. Because yeah. I've literally read two pages. <laughs> so I started an audiobook too. And so I'm like, between all of the 400, 400, that's, yeah. a, that's a real number. Um, between all the podcasts I'm behind on mm-hmm. and the audiobook, I'm just like, I can't keep up. I know. I bought I'll Be Gone in the Dark and I have... Yet to be able to read it. By Michelle McNamara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like, I've never thought in my life I would wish for a longer commute. <laughs> but I mean, like, because I get to work in like 20 minutes and I'm like, God, barely got into this chapter. Yeah. What books are you reading? <sighs> no, why are you going to ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. The paper one, I have uh-huh. no freaking clue what the name of it is. The book I'm listening to, the book is by... Oh, you heard that thunder? Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all hear it? <laughs> then you can't answer us. But anyway, the book is by Kristen Pulesic, and it's about um, it's about a serial killer in Los Angeles and was active for like two decades because he would kill women who are black, who were sex workers, who were addicted to crack because it was right at the boom of the of the crack epidemic, mm, and so and they just thought crack kills. They said, crack is whack, (laughs) just like Whitney Houston said. But anyway, so it's good so far. It's like a 10-hour, well, almost an 11-hour book, and I'm at hour two, so (laughs) I can't really. Again, with the short freaking commute, I never thought I'd want a long commute, but here we are, 17 podcasts behind and a whole book. Yeah. Luckily, I work from home, so I get to listen to podcasts. Not me. Yeah, I like the weekends whenever I have to drive an hour. To work because I get to listen to so much. Yeah. Also, you know what? We made it to the double digits of the episodes. Like, what? We've been doing this 10 weeks. And I love it even more. I am, again, I know I've said this, but I'm having so much freaking fun. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
We have like over 400 followers on Instagram and 300 on Twitter. That's so freaking amazing. Yes. I love it. I think my favorite though is our Facebook group. I know. I love how much everybody posts and like seeing like their reactions to the episodes and stuff because Mm -hmm. you got some good reactions from your freaking story (laughs) last week. Because it was so creepy. I don't know which people hated, not hated, by hated I mean absolutely freaking love, but were scared shitless by um, Robert or the Black Eyed Peas. I don't don't know which. (laughs) The other thing is that Donna can't function in life. And by that, I mean she hurt her back walking to do laundry. Bless her heart. <laughs> I, like, brought her a tinge unit for her back. And, um, oh, my gosh. It hurts, y'all. Had to, like, help her out of the chair. She took <laughs> Twice. Her, it took I, me two times. I literally lapped her, bringing her stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> like so she bad. I brought her her water and her phone in and the heating pad <laughs> to the chair like to where we record and like went back out there and she still hadn't caught up to me. Yeah. Oh, it hurts. I don't Bless think it. I've ever hurt this bad with my back. I mean, I've been in pain. And you've got oh. a kidney stone. Yeah, this is way worse. It's a constant pain. When Carrie was helping me up, <laughs> I was like holding on to her and stuff, and she was like, "This is how we're gonna be when when I'm you pregnant. go into labor." Yeah, and I was like, "Uh, yeah, that's why I'm not having a kid. <laughs> like, I don't want this pain." Because like how you were standing, was yeah, because like I were, can't like... stand up straight, people. <laughs> Quasimodo, party of one. <sighs> party of two. I'll help you. <laughs> no, you're uh, Esmeralda over there hopping all along. Laughing me, y'all. <laughs> when I started walking to the room to take all of her stuff, she goes, "What'd you say? Go ahead, you show off." Because <laughs> she was like, "Damn, speed walking." <laughs> and there, there's Quasimodo pulling up the rear, gonna go ring the fucking bell. <laughs> That's when you know you're getting old, though. You think you're doing good, and then you just trying to wash some clothes and fuck yourself up. You're like, oh, let me reach for this garment here and... Garment? (laughs) I I guess I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) What do you call underwear? Do you say panties or do you say like drawers or... Well, I'm not that old. (laughs) Actually, my accent comes out and I say panties. There's no T in it. I think me too. Like nannies. Like panties. <laughs> Please don't say that because that's what my grandmother's called. Nanny. No, I'm, no, I'm saying like like multiple nannies or like well, that's what now pair. But now I'm thinking nannies panties, and I don't want to talk oh, about shit. my grandmother's panties. <laughs> she wears shit, Larry. <laughs> hey, Lisa Renna got a lot of fucking money for doing those depends ads, right? Okay, so we haven't mentioned it, but I put it on Instagram. If you want to send us your personal stories, scary, true crime, anything that's weird. Anything that's happened in in the area to anybody you know. An urban legend. don't know. If it's an urban legend, preface it with, hey, this is an urban legend. Yeah, and I mean. So we're not like selling that shit as real. Yeah, and not like Bloody Mary, but like. In our town, yeah. the story is blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like if you have like a haunted bridge or something like that. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Definitely if you have a haunted bridge, definitely do that. We're wanting to do an episode called Sinister Sightings. And we need listener stories. Yeah. <laughs> so you can email it to us. 
aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. On our website, on the contact, you can actually just write it from there and send it, and it sends us an email. We want to hear from you. Seriously. That really is one of my favorite parts about the Facebook group is that, like I said, all the postings and all the comments and stuff, I feel like these people are my friends. I know. Like, I know them. (laughs) All right. Are you ready for it? Sure am. (laughs) Well, good, because here it comes. That's what he said. I don't know. (laughs) Picture it. It's 1972, and a family known as the Smurl family. That's Schmurly. I don't (laughs) Couldn't think of anything. (laughs) Okay, so they were forced to leave their home due to a flood, but have no fear. Jack, who's the father of the Smurl family... His parents bought a duplex house in West Pittston, Pennsylvania for $18,000. They're just telling all their shit. So the duplex was built in 1896, and it said it was on a quiet street in a middle-class neighborhood. So his parents lived on the right half of the duplex, and Janet and Jack, those are the parents of the Smurls, they and their two daughters, Dawn and Heather, they lived in the left half. Well, so since it was $18,000, it was a fixer-upper. So they spent a lot of time and money like redecorating, remodeling, and doing a lot of the work themselves. So by all accounts, the Smurls were a close, loving family. So both Jack and Janet grew up in the area. They met in 1967 and married in 1968. So, Jack served in the Navy, and he became a, what? Navy. Oh. <laughs> you're like, you're going to say military. Yeah. In the Navy. <laughs> but it's funny that, like, I know what you were think. you know, like, yeah. I know what words you were trying to put together. Yeah, because, uh, duh, we're Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Truth, I'm D. Oh, gosh. Okay. If y'all haven't seen that picture, it's on Instagram on the highlight because we really wear Tweedledee and Tweedledum for Halloween one year. That was, I think, one of my favorite costumes. I know. My mama helped us make it. She showed in. Those tutus took for fucking ever. When you're plus size, don't let them fool you. Those tutus take forever. And a lot of fucking tool. Yes. <laughs> and it is not cheap. No. So back to the Smurls. Okay. So Jack served in the Navy, becoming a neuropsychiatric technician. They were both raised Catholic and had strong religious beliefs. And also, everyone said that they enjoyed living with Jack's parents. Like, it wasn't a bad situation. They, you know, they were just, like, a big Catholic family. And, you know, you take care of the grandparents. Okay, so first 18 months, everything's going smoothly. But with all of my stories, cue the music maestro, dun-dun-dun. Well, I was about to dun-dun-dun, you. Okay, I'm sorry. Cue the music maestro. Dun-dun-dun. Strange things start to happen. You're welcome. <laughs> Low budget here, Pete. <laughs> AKA no budget. Right? <laughs> okay. January 1974. Uh, they had just put new carpet down and freshly painted the ceilings. Next day, there was a stain on the carpet, like a moldy looking stain. Oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. And on the ceiling, it was a like a darker stain, but it kind of looked like a handprint. <gasps> But they were like, maybe the kids did something. You know, yeah. like, you try to yeah. reason oh, it away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't jump immediately to yeah. <laughs> paranormal shit. Right. I mean, I would, but. No, I wouldn't. I'd be like, damn, I just painted that and I got a freaking <laughs> leak. 
Right. Oh, true. That's true. where I would go because that would be my luck. Yeah. <laughs> knock on wood because you're I was about, just about to, to remodel. Say, knock on wood because that remodel is about to happen. So, <laughs> oh, Lord. Universe, I was just kidding. Right. Oh. So then uh, their television set burst into flames. <gasps> Not just like stopped working. Like right. it was like. Like sparking and stuff. Shit. And so again, they're like. Well, old electrical. Yeah. Yeah. Then the water pipes, they kept leaking. They would re-solder the mm-hmm. pipes and stuff and they would leak again. But they're just like, what the fuck? Money pit. Yeah. You know, that's just what they're thinking. They put a new sink and a bathtub in a remodeled bathroom. And they were found severely scratched, and they said it looked like a wild animal had kind of scratched it. And they are like, what? But again, you think... Well, and so they're like, did the kids do something? It said that the freshly painted woodwork in the bathroom also had the same scratches. Uh Uh-uh. Don't be scratching wood. Right? That shit's not cheap. No. Okay. So that was in 1974. Now in 1975, uh, their oldest daughter, she started telling them, I see people floating in my room. What? Do, do you know how old she was? Did it say or no? No, it okay, didn't. That's fine. But I think she really just saw kind of like shadow people. It wasn't like full body apparitions, you know. Again, now they're like, okay, that's weird. But also she's a kid. Yeah. They, six cents hadn't come out. They didn't know kids could see dead, dead people. people. I know. When you said, I can see, I was like, dead people in my head. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, that's not where she's going. I mean, it's where she's going, but not what she's going to say. So now by 1977, so we started in 74. Yeah. I was listening. Bam. Who are you, Emerald? <laughs> oh my God, what happened to him? Uh, He still is a chef. He's just not like on everything. Well, but he has, I think he still has, he has that restaurant in New Orleans, doesn't he? Yeah, but like everything was Emerald. Okay, so by 1977, the Smurl family, they started to be like, mm, something spooky going on here. Like, they were catching on to it. Yeah. Uh, because now the toilets started flushing without anyone using them, which... That's very wasteful. Right? <laughs> Footsteps would continuously be heard on the stairs, and no one was there. So, drawers would be open and closed on their own, which at least they closed them. Then they had radios that would blare... But they weren't plugged in, so it would just start, and then, like, the volume would just, like, increase. Yeah. They had batteries. (laughs) Oh, and here's one that you're going to love. Men in Black. (laughs) Yes. They showed up, and they said, zap, zap, zap. They said, what's zapponing? That was very smurly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. People are like, skip, skip, skip over the smurly These are the dumbest jokes ever. Oh, this is the part you'll like. Empty rocking chairs. I love a rocking chair. Mm-hmm. They would be rocking on their own. Now, you know I love a damn rocking chair. They, You wouldn't even have to rock. They no, no. would rock you, too. I want to help. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. My legs are too short, usually. <laughs> Wait, are these cushioned or wooden? <laughs> I'm sure they're wooden. I could take those, too. I mean, they're not like the gliders. I don't like gliders. I like rocking. Yeah, because it goes on your Fitbit. (laughs) True. You know, if you're behind steps one day on your Fitbit or your Apple Watch or whatever you have, just sit in a rocking chair. I mean, one morning by like 9 o'clock on like a Saturday, I already had like 12,000 steps. (laughs) No joke. 
just feel good about yourself. I mean, hashtag winning in life. How to not lose weight, but make yourself feel like you have. Okay, so as time went on, they began to smell sour and vile smells throughout Ooh. the house. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. And on several occasions, Jack, the dad, he felt a touch of an unseen hand caress him. <gasps> yes. Where? It did not say, but I can guess. His the ear. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> And by this time, they had twins. And so their names are Shannon and Karen. So, okay. So by now, the twins were born and the family was kind of getting frustrated. They're tired and they're even more tired because like the haunting is sucking their energy. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. Damn night hag. Okay, so by 1985. That was a good year. Great year. Especially April. Uh, No, August, it got even better. (laughs) She's an Aries. I'm a Leo. Leo's freaking rule. So, again, 1985. Now they're fucking annoyed. They're like, all right, we got to do something because shit's getting real. Now the house will get ice cold. Uh, John and Mary, that is... The grandparents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, you are on it tonight. I mean, I'm listening. I'm learning. Okay, so they heard loud, obscene language, like an argument coming from this Jack podcast. and... podcast? <laughs> Over at Jack and Janet's side of the duplex. And they're like, damn, they're going at it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then they saw that they're not fighting. Like, they were they were just hanging. Like, no fighting. So they're like, okay. Well, and I wonder, like, what, is that their usual? Like, you know, is that completely out of character for them to be fighting right. like that? Right. And you I, know? I feel like it is. That's why they were just like. What? Yeah. February 1985, Janet was in the basement doing laundry, which, oh my gosh, can people not have laundry in the basement? Because <laughs> that's just like every scary movie. When I was in Salem for residency, the place that I lived, the laundry was in the basement. When Casey, my sister, and my friend Katie came to visit, and I was like showing them around the place, because it was the best place to live. It was like <laughs> a huge horse farm, which I'm not really into horses, but it was just so pretty. Yeah. And um, what well, was like the laundry's in the basement. Do y'all want to go see the basement? Because we don't have basements here. Yeah. Like in Mississippi and they live in Louisiana. Like we don't have basements. We get tornadoes and stuff, but we don't have basements. Like Katie was like, hell no. I'm <laughs> not going in that basement. She knows what's up. And Casey, Casey went and looked at it, but Katie was like, uh-uh, I'll wait right here. Yeah. Y- y'all no, go ahead. I'm with her. Okay. So Janet's doing laundry in the basement and she hears her name being called. <gasps> and so she's like... All right, goes upstairs and she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, no one, no one was around. No one was like, hey, you see my undies up in there? You know, can you bring me a a pair of socks, please? (laughs) Yeah. So she's like, what? All right. I guess I'm just hearing things. But then when she went back down, she would still hear her name. And so it was like, okay, I'm hearing something. Yeah. So then she claimed that she was in the kitchen one evening and the house got cold. You know Mm -hmm. how it normally will do if something's around. And she felt like a dark presence (laughs) 
you know, just yeah. felt like that foreboding feeling. Like that heavy feeling mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that's when a black human-shaped form appeared <gasps> in her kitchen. Oh, my gosh. And she said, like, it wasn't a face or anything, but it was more tangible than a shadow. Yeah. Again, like we've said with shadow people. Then the shape passed through her wall and appeared on the other side of the duplex to Mary, the grandmother. What? The, the grandma saw it too? Yeah. <gasps> and like, so she was like, uh, 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 did you see that? And Janet's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. So from that point on, should it just intensified. On the night that Heather was supposed to be confirmed into uh, the Catholic religion, mm-hmm. like they were all talking about it, getting ready to go to the church, a large ceiling fan that had like a big light Mm-hmm. fixture on mm-hmm. it. It came crashing down <gasps> inches from Shannon, one of the other daughters, and uh, it actually cut her on her arm. Oh my gosh. A little bit, but like, it could have killed her. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, because they were talking about religion and stuff, mm-hmm. They feel like that's why it acted. Yeah. Then escalated more. One night, Janet and Jack were sleeping and they both woke up levitating above their bed. What? Like midair, fucking flying like Peter Pan. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine? No. One, I'd be like, I'm weightless. <laughs> I'm skinny. Oh, my God, no. I'd be like, I'm flying, Jack. I'm flying. I wouldn't be like that. I mean, it fits because his name's Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And he says. Actually, I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I guess I forgot his name. That was a good one. Okay. That was a good one. I'll Thank give you that. Thank you. Thank you. You and- just had to dumb it down for me over here. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all didn't see me, but I'd. Totally put my hands out like I like was your rose. rose. Yeah, great movie. You loved that. I mean, I did too, but you really did love it. Yeah. Okay. Then picture this: Janet and Jack. They were hitting it in the sack, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was an attack. You are a poet. But for real. So they were making love, as it says. Oh. <laughs> I hate that saying. Like, I really hate that saying. Okay, they were fucking. That, that's better to me. <laughs> I mean, that says a lot about me. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I really do hate that saying. <laughs> to each their own. Well, I guess they were basking in the afterglow of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was, like, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> no, I don't know. But Janet was actually pulled off the bed by her leg. What? Yeah. And he was like, Jack was like, come back here, woman. I'm not finished. No. <laughs> Damn. She's like, I got a headache. <laughs> you don't need that foot. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, so she was pulled to the ground. So they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Meanwhile, he couldn't help her. Because he was having aftershocks. (laughs) Because he was like gagging and like couldn't breathe from a violent, nope, (laughs) a vile smell. (gasps) And I can say some shit about that, but I'm not going to. So gagging from the foul odor. And he's like, (laughs) I wish y'all could have seen her. Because she, like, did the universal side of I'm choking, but then also did, like, the poison X on the, on a bottle where the tongue's out. <laughs> Multi-talented here, peeps. Oh, shit's gonna get dark for a second here. All right, I'm ready. She didn't come. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not that dark. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So the family had a dog. It was... I knew you were going to go to the pet. <laughs> God dang it. I told you Leave it was sad. Leave the pets alone. I know. And what's worse, it was the German Shepherd. <gasps> I love them with Me their too. ears and stuff. Oh my gosh. They're so smart. Yes. Uh, his name was Simon, was repeatedly picked up and thrown <gasps> against the wall. No. It didn't say he died, so he survived, but... <gasps> I know, but... Oh, God. I know. I just can hear a little, like, yell. Whimper. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Okay, we got to move on. I don't like it. Yeah. So, at night, there would be scratching noises on the walls. Oh, Mm-hmm. Like fingernails on a chalkboard. Yes. No, thank you. And it'd be everywhere in the house. Oh, my gosh. Those poor kids were probably so terrified. Right? Then, one night, while Shannon was sleeping, she actually got tossed out of bed. Dang, they don't like her laying in that bed, do they? Well, this is a different person, but oh, okay. The, this is the grandma. No. No, this is the daughter. Yes. The twin. Yes. Now you're just trying to make up for what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but she was actually, like, trying to pull her down the stairs. <gasps> Yeah. Um, it said that even the neighbors were not spared because when they, the family would be out, they'd have loud noises and lights kind of flashing in the windows and stuff. Like and when the family wasn't there? Yeah, they would be out and it would be like loud commotion, but they had seen like everyone leave. Yeah. And they were pretty sympathetic to the Smurls, you know, where, I mean, they got it. Yeah. It wasn't like they were calling the cops and like, loud shit's coming over there like yeah. they knew. I was listening to an interview that Karen, one of the twins, did, and uh, she said that sometimes even the spirits would follow the girls uh, to sleepovers. <gasps> something would happen and... Like, it wouldn't be huge, but something would move or something like that. And the parents of the sleepover people would be like, it's time to call your parents. Because <gasps> you got to go. Oh, my God. But just because, I mean, it's connected to her and yeah. you yeah, don't know still, what's going on. shit. I know. Poor kids. God. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was a kid calling my parents because I was homesick. Me too, girl. I, I did. I was bad when I was a kid. Dad, come pick me up. Oh. Crying. Well, usually my sleepovers were with Tiffany and she lived like three houses down. So yeah. I'd just call and be like, watch me come home. And then we'd read Goosebumps and everything was fine. Okay. So they reached out to the Catholic Church. We really can't do anything right now. You know, just didn't mm-hmm. really want to get involved. So in the interview, Karen was like, so if you think about it, we didn't have the internet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, okay, ghost hunters. Yes. You know, luckily they had heard about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, of the Pennsylvania Warrens? You don't know who Ed and Lorraine Warren no. are? No. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, seriously, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like flabbergasted. Okay, so Lorraine is a clairvoyant and Ed is like a demonologist. Annabelle, mm-hmm. they have Annabelle. Like, they're the ones who came They have out. the real doll? They have the real doll locked up, and it's like, do not open. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, they've been in, like, all of the big cases and shit. What? And that's How why I'm never like... i heard of these people. What? The Smurls were like, we don't... We're skeptical of these people, but we have nowhere else to turn. Mm-hmm. You know, so they reached out, and so the Warrens came. They were accompanied by Rosemary. Don't know how to say her last name. Fruey? 
Fruey. So uh, Rosemary was a registered nurse and a psychic. So they began the investigation by quizzing the Smurls about their religious beliefs, the happiness of their family life, um, if they had ever practiced Satanism or occultism, any kind of ism, <laughs> uh, if they've used a Ouija board. Okay, so they answered their questions and they hadn't done any of the isms. Mm-hmm. Or the Ouija. Okay, so they walked throughout the house, just kind of scoping it out. They identified a bedroom closet as a crossover point between the two sides of the duplex. <gasps> like of the spirits? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they said that they detected a presence of four evil spirits. Evil? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, duh, because they're pulling people downstairs. Yeah. But like, <laughs> shit. Three were minor, but the fourth was a demon. <gasps> so they said... One was a harmless elderly woman. One was young, possibly violent girl. One was a man who suffered and died in the home previously. And one was the demon that would use the other spirits to torment the Smurl family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they said without any evidence of family dysfunction, occult invitation, or tragedy, they could only surmise that the demon must have been dormant probably for decades. <gasps> And had arisen to draw on the emotional energy generated by the girl's entrance to puberty. (gasps) So, what I have to say to this, can we stop blaming females and our fucking hormones for shit? I know we don't know how old the kids were when they moved in the house, but they were there like 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. So, all the shit that happened at the beginning... That could have been... The okay spirits. Oh. But then the demon. Got, okay, which is why this stuff got worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. But still, like, stop blaming females for shit. I know. We did not start, like, serial killers. We did not, you know what I mean? They always blame us for everything. Yeah. Like, stop. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I just read that and I was like, the fuck? Uh Uh-huh. Like, fuck y'all. Yep. Okay, so the Warrens were like, all right, demon, we're going to fuck you over, get you to expose yourself. So they would play tapes of religious music, which was basically like nuns Mm -hmm. singing. And so then they would uh, also say prayers. And he had like some religious relics Mm -hmm. that he would place out and like pray over. Mm -hmm. The demon was like, I see your relics and I raise you a fuck you. So he made the mirror start shaking on the wall and dresser drawers started coming out. Yeah. And then on the mirror that was shaken, it gets like foggy. Foggy. Mm Mm-hmm. What does he write? And written is, you filthy bastard, get out of this house. (gasps) And all I can think about is, keep the change, you You filthy filthy animal. animal. Yeah. (laughs) And then, because in that same Mm -hmm. movie, he's like, get your no good rotten keister or whatever. my property. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like all I can think about. I'm going to pump you full of lead. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That really is one of my favorite movies. I know. and But it just cracks me up because that's all I can think about. But uh, so Ed was like, moi? You're talking about uh, me? Yeah, you. Mm Mm-hmm. So Ed was like, I see your language. (laughs) And when he just said filthy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he said bastard. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I was like, I was adopted? (laughs) 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 So Ed was like, all right, here's some holy water. So he, Mm -hmm. holy water everywhere. And he would start praying, like, all of them join in. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would stop 
the drawers and stopped the mirror. So then when everything was calm, they're like, I think this is okay. There's no way it would be that easy. So situation got more serious. Right. Because you're going to be like, what the fuck? Jack, he's watching a baseball game in the living room. Mm -hmm. And he's like, swing, better, better. And someone's like, oh, I'll show you how to bat. And he basically was molested (gasps) and raped, like held down against his will by a succubus, which is like a sexual spirit demon type of a ghost, which I want to do an episode on later. But he said that it was kind of like it would shapeshift almost on top of him where it would have a young girl's body sometimes, but then an older hag kind of face and it would be like scaly. Oh my God. With really bad teeth. But then it would like flash to like an attractive female or whatever. And it was like holding him down. That's weird. Yeah. That's a thing. You know all I can picture? Anna Nicole? No. Oh. Because she said that she had sex with ghosts. Did she? Yeah. Anna Nicole Smith? Yeah. Okay, what can you picture? Like, I remember on... Did you ever watch the Hotel of American Horror Story? Mm-mm. No. Well, there was a, um, like a black leather... Oh, yeah. Like, oh, figure thing. Yeah, I watched some of it. Them. And that was violent. But that's all I can think of. And I just think that's weird. Like, I just don't believe that. I don't know. Oh, I do. I believe that. That's weird to me. Because, I mean, like, if spirits can touch you and stuff. I don't, I don't know. That's weird. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about it more when I cover it. And I'm going to be making this face the whole time. And then when you're proved wrong, I'll be like, (laughs) in your face. I'll be like, suck this succubus. Damn. (laughs) It was a good alliteration. (laughs) Thank you. Gained his composure probably after he finished. Just thought about where does it go? (gasps) Yeah, I don't know. Like, oops, I made a mess. He got a home run. <laughs> so he started, um, he he was able to grab a rosary, started saying the rosary. Mm-hmm. While he's doing that, then the, like, haggy thing, mm-hmm. succubus, um, dragged him around by his feet around the living room. Well, at least I grabbed him by his feet. Right? Um, they didn't want to have to use two hands. Damn. <laughs> then he was bit on the ear. Mike Tyson style. Damn. Yeah. They started to hear pig noises at night in the walls. And it said that that was a sign of serious demonic infestation. Oh, gosh. I'm like, oh, why does it have to be pigs? But it reminds me of Saul. Oh, yeah, Roanoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pigman. But, like, Saul, because he would sometimes have a pig face on when he was in the little tricycle shit. Yeah. Oh. But, okay, so pig noises are, like, oink, oink. And then an incubus, which is the male version. Of a succubus? Yeah. Um, Because they go in. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one sucks. Ah, Damn. (laughs) We just broke it down. I mean, we are figuring shit out. Paranormal chicks, investigate <laughs> and discover. Investigation, discovery. Damn, now that's full circle. You're welcome. <laughs> but okay, so Janet was molested by the incubus. One night, uh, Jack was sleeping and he saw like a black mass on her and then it like went down her legs. Oh, yeah. Oh, along with the pig noises, they would hear blood curdling screams all hours of the night. Mm-mm. Yes. Can you just be quiet? Cause I need my sleep. <laughs> 
sound machine on. Screams off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, who am I kidding? I would probably sleep through the screams. Mm-hmm. Like, first night, I'd be like, oh, fuck, I can't. Then I'd be like, oh, background music. Right. But, okay, something I thought was, like, funny but not funny was that uh, Janet and Jack were uh, viciously tickled. (laughs) 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 I'm just like, I'm going to get you on the tickle monster. (laughs) All I thought about was the claw yeah, oh my something. gosh from uh yes. liar liar yes yes but it wouldn't be funny if you were being viciously tickled because but you know what i mean like no yeah, yeah it's yeah. funny but it's not funny but it's like they can't get away yeah and it's like by an unseen force right so the warrens came back and they brought father who was and it says now bishop McKenna. Ooh, got a got a promotion. Mm-hmm. Moving on up. Moving on up. <laughs> he was a traditionalist priest, and he refused to abide by the changes in the ritual mandated by the Catholic Church. And so he performed, like, exorcisms okay. and stuff for the Warrens. Uh, so he conducted the ancient rite, which did nothing but infuriate the demon. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So the haunting continued. Music maestro. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So their daughter, Karen, fell seriously ill from a fever that came out of nowhere. And so she was bedridden for a while. Bless it. And Dawn, another daughter, uh, she was almost raped by an evil <gasps> presence. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so Janet and Mary, which is mm-hmm. the mom and the grandmother, mm-hmm. they had slash marks and bites on their arm. Um, and everyone had pretty much gotten really depressed and fatigued like everything was just draining from them well they're not sleeping because they're hearing screams all night yeah and ping noises and so what ed warren said was like okay so you're in the second stage of demonic possession Mm -hmm. and which is oppression so he said it follows the infestation where like making its presence known it's starting starting to drain you now oppression it's you know oppressing you (laughs) yeah got that Mm -hmm. and so then it's followed by possession and then death (gasps) so bishop mckenna performed a second exorcism in the late spring but again no avail nothing was done and the demon even accompanied the family on a trip that they went camping no way Mm mm-hmm and uh, it started to harass Jack at work, and his secretary saw that, like, <gasps> things would move yeah. and shit. So then the family realized, if we move, because they put everything into this house. Yeah. You know, all of their money. Yeah. Um, And they also had, like, family that lived on the street, like, cousins and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it was just... It was a community they would be leaving. Yeah. So, they were like, so even if we put whatever we can to move, it's still going to follow us. Like, it's right, following us everywhere. Yeah. So, since the Warrens' exorcisms and stuff, it wasn't working, they reached back out to the church. They were like, okay, what can we do? Let's go public with this and just see if someone can come help us. You know, maybe someone can reach out. So they actually remained anonymous behind like a screen. They appeared on a local Philadelphia show called People Are Talking. The demon retaliated (gasps) 
it levitated Janet and then hurled her against the wall. Oh, my God. Yeah. It later appeared to Jack as a monstrous creature resembling a pig on two legs. A pig man. Mm-hmm. Yep. It said that uh, one night a human hand came up through the mattress and grabbed Janet by the back of the neck. And then again, while she was being grabbed and couldn't move, Jack was raped. <gasps> Okay, well, that's, um, American Horror Story does their fucking research then because. Right? That was on Hotel too. Really? Yes. And it kind of reminds me of the first one. Yes. Because, like, how that girl would, like, look hot to the dad, but she was really old and stuff. Yeah. And, but, yeah, like, after reading this, it's like, damn, they really do. We might be, like, outed as weirdos and shit, but we need to reach a wider audience. So they granted an interview to an independent newspaper in the area, and almost immediately their home became, like, a tourist attraction. Oh, gosh. And so people were coming all around, and then their community kind of turned on them because then they're like, they're doing this for all the publicity and the money and shit. And they're bringing all these strangers into Mm -hmm. the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And in that interview with Karen, she said that they would have so many weird-ass people who would come and, like, camp on their lawn, and it would be, like, a voodoo priest, and he would be like, oh, I can get it and take it with me, the demon. People who said they were Satanist and that they could get it, but you're not going to let a Satanist in your house when you have a demon. Like, uh, you don't want to take it. You want to, like, help it grow. Right. Well, yes, but... I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there are Satanists who, like, truly worship Satan, but there are some Satanists that um, call themselves that purely for shock value. Mm. Because they, (sighs) but it was on an episode of Our America with Lisa Ling, and they, like, erected this huge statue of Satan, um, because it's almost like it's more of like a political movement than a religion. Oh. Just to bring attention to different margina- marginalized populations. Oh. Hmm. Now, again, I'm sure that there are Satanists who are actually Satan, you know, worshipers. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, thank you for that lesson. Welcome. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, she just said like lots of weirdos came out of the woodwork. And then, of course, you know, like. All the skeptics that would come just to try to debunk everything. Right. Uh, the Smurls contacted a medium. Her name was Mary Alice Rinkman. And she examined the house and basically found exactly what the Warrens had found. Four spirits. And they didn't tell her any of this. Yeah. Which I guess she knew, though, since they did go public. Now that I'm but thinking about they it. they may not have been specific about what the Warrens found. They may True. have just said they found a demon. They may not have been like, there's four spirits. One yeah. is Karen. I know that's the kid, but... <laughs> Damn, they called their own kid a demon. I mean, if she wouldn't be such a shithead. True. (laughs) (laughs) So she identified uh, the old woman was named Abigail. And then there was a darker male. So the darker guy's name was Patrick. And he murdered his wife and her lover. Oh, my God. And then had been hung there by the mob. (gasps) Not like, say hello to my little friend mob. (laughs) Terrible. Uh, I was going to say, is that what the mom says? I mean, in that movie, Godfather or whatever. Oh, do, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean like pitchfork and thing mob? Yeah, yeah. 
because this is way back in the day, I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, she could not identify the third spirit of the girl who could be violent. Yeah. But the fourth was a powerful demon. So then, like, with all the press coverage and all of these findings, it finally pushed the Scranton Diocese to where they had to do something. So they offered to take over the investigation. And then the Warrens had also planned a mass exorcism with several different priests. So Bishop McKenna came a third time to exorcise the house. And this time the ritual seemed to work. So there were no disturbances for about three months. So it's an exorcism, just like an exorcism of a house, not Mm -hmm. of like a person. Right. It's still considered an exorcism. Yeah. Okay. So shortly before Christmas, 1986, Jack again saw the black form and this time it he said it was like calling to him beckoning him to let him let it take over him (gasps) it was starting stage three yes and so he got his rosary and prayed and he was like maybe this was isolated and it's not you know like maybe i kept it at bay well it started banging again on the walls and then the putrid smells came back so they were frustrated they were tired and they were like what do we do so they finally got up enough money to move and they moved to another town and they wrote a book called the the haunted and shortly before that released the church performed the fourth exorcism in 1988, and it finally seemed to have given them some peace. And then there was a movie version of The Haunted that was released for TV in 1991. Karen on the interview said that the spirit did follow them for a little bit, but that fourth one that the church did, the diocese yeah. uh, did, it did help, and it they haven't felt that negative energy anymore. Oh my God. So the naysayers again say that it could have been domestic abuse and that's what they used to cover it up with was... Mm, that's a bit this extreme. Stuff. Yeah. But there's no evidence to that. Yeah. And then some say they're just money hungry. And then another thing that uh, was found out later was that in 1983, Jack had told a reporter that they did for that independent uh, newspaper. Mm-hmm. He suffered memory loss due to having uh, meningitis when he was a child. They said that that like kind of fueled the speculation that maybe it was hallucinations. But... Everyone else experienced it. Yeah, I was going to say. So, because he had hallucinations, the rest of the house had it too? Right. That's not how this works. However, then people said he could have been a cause of a poltergeist, which when someone is dealing with the trauma like Jack, his brain condition, it could be, uh, I guess, like supernatural abilities where like the energy and the trauma manifest into like the energy of the house. So, if there was anything going on, it could kind of turn it evil people being thrown objects being moved could all be starting with him and he not know it right they said that it is only possible if the dwelling already had spirits and then this came paranormal stuff it's so hard to explain because even if you have all the evidence people still say oh you faked it oh that's not real oh it could be that you know like it's so hard so the only ones who really know are the people that live there yeah so wait so what what what's now i mean the house is just there Mm -hmm. nobody lives there no people do live there but they haven't had anything 
But what they are saying is because the spirits followed them and then were exercised Mm -hmm. from them. So nothing's going on in the house now because it followed them. Yeah. I will say that Karen, the one I had listened to, she's actually a ghost hunter. And she said because she dealt with it all of her life, Mm -hmm. she's not afraid. Yeah. Like she's seen the bad shit. Yeah. And she said that, you know, she goes in hoping to disprove things. She's not going in there being like, oh, yeah girl your house is haunted yeah you know she takes it seriously and i feel like okay this is her profession if that is it it's not fake i mean you can say whatever you want like to say then she's just that she's still making money off of it Mm -hmm. but i feel like one you're opening yourself up to some shit like karma wise oh my god so much bad karma but also like you would dedicate your whole life and it can't be that lucrative no. You know, unless you have a TV show and Which all of that they show. didn't. Like, right. Even, even they had a book and a movie, but it was a made-for-TV movie kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. they're not making a ton of money off this. Exactly. They weren't doing, like, tours or anything like that yeah, when all the no. people were coming to the house. Like, they're not making that kind of money off of this. Exactly. And again, it was in a time that, I mean, the internet wasn't around. They and- didn't have, like, a GoFundMe set up. Yes. Oh, my gosh. They weren't asking for people to, like, help them move out of their house or anything like that. So, I mean, I believe it. Because, again, I feel like that's a lot of people involved. Yeah. For it to be fake. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, oh. And I, sorry, I forgot to say this, that one time a priest went there to stay to, like, investigate. Mm-hmm. And he, for two days, he didn't have any activity around. And so he was like, they're lying. But, I mean, the demon obviously is cognitive of shit going on because if it's come up and it like tried to kill their daughter when they were going to the religious thing it understood right so if they're like if i show myself and i like fuck shit up they're gonna say a prayer yeah say all the shit and like drive me from the house right so it's not like they're gonna be like all right here's all my cards on the table do your shit right you know they're like holding an ace up their sleeve right what is with me with all these card references (laughs) you you need a trip to the casino real bad i I think i do (laughs) you know you gotta know when to hold them know when to fold them and know when to walk away preach (laughs) so that is the smurl family i'm kind of torn about like, if I believe it or not. I definitely believe the house was haunted and probably even with the four, like... Spirits? Yeah. You just don't believe the incubus and succubus thing? Right. It's probably just because you don't know all about it. But, I mean, if you think about it, if you believe in ghosts and you believe that they can touch you, that they can possess you, you know, I mean, it's not like he's, like, <laughs> jerking off in the corner, like, getting ready to mount her. I don't know. I don't know. But I really do want to go more in depth into incubus and succubus and future episode i wonder if the band incubus is that is that what they meant probably i think that was my first concert actually incubus mine too no then no it wasn't no never saw no i didn't i didn't my mama wouldn't let me go (laughs) in new orleans Mm -hmm. she didn't trust me with the dude driving yeah Uh, my mom didn't know (laughs) (laughs) cat's out of the bag sorry mom she don't listen I mean, that's a good thing. Yes. But we're glad y'all listen. Absolutely. So I'm going quasi-local again tonight. Ooh. Not really. It's in Baton Rouge. Oh, well, Louisiana. that's still four hours away. Uh, Not at all. Two. Two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Donna's really good at geography. So for those not from the area, Baton Rouge is in Louisiana. It's actually the capital. 
Um, it's where Louisiana State University is, LSU. Boo. Go Tigers. Boo. Um, <laughs> clearly, I'm a Tigers fan and she's not. Yeah, because I have taste. <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to really test out my Louisiana knowledge with these pronunciations of some of them. Awesome. Okay. I am doing serial killer Derek Todd Lee. Ever heard of him? No. I hadn't either. <laughs> My sister Kelly told me to do this one. Derek Todd Lee was born November 5th, 1968 in St. Francisville, Louisiana to Samuel Ruth and France, Florence Lee. Very cool. Wait. Florence was my grandma's name, which is why I don't know why I effed up the pronunciation. <laughs> but her last name was Lee. Who's her? Florence. Yes. We'll get there. Okay. I think. So Samuel Ruth, who is Derek's father, left not long after Derek was born. And so I think that's why his name's Lee. His last name's Lee. Like on his birth certificate? Well, I don't know. I didn't call up the county <laughs> office and say, can you send me the birth certificate of old Derek Todd Lee? I know Research. a good researcher would have. By all accounts, though, it was pretty good that his father left because he had a, some sort of mental illness. I didn't ever see what kind of mental illness. He was charged with attempted murder oh. of the, his ex-wife. Um, but anyway, he ended up in a mental institution. So Florence remarried to Coleman Barrow. And it's so funny that one article I, I saw was like, he was a responsible man that raised Derek and his sisters as his own and that they were taught the importance of education and to follow the teachings of the Bible. Meanwhile, another piece of research that I found said that his stepfather was just like very abusive to them, oh. just like beat the shit out of them. And that... um. I mean, he could still be all those things and do all those things. I mean, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? Isn't that in the Bible? <laughs> so, like I said, his stepfather beat him and his, I think his sisters too. And then his mom didn't do anything about it. So, he was almost borderline being diagnosed with an intellectual disability because his IQ, when he was tested as a child, ranged from like 70 to 75 and anything below a 70 is considered an intellectual disability mm. and in a lot of these this is my soapbox for a minute so a lot of these articles still said mental retardation instead of intellectual disability and so that's my soapbox mental retardation is not a thing it's not a diagnosis it's an ugly word it's an intellectual disability and soapbox stepping off okay <laughs> don't trip <laughs> so because his IQ ranged from like 70 to 75-ish, he was actually placed in um, special education classes at school and was really like tormented and ridiculed by his Gosh. peers. And so, of course, they would call him the R word. But he even sucked his thumb and like called his teacher mama. And then... Oh, um, Lord. Yeah. So he actually, too, would torture his dog and his <gasps> dog's puppies. Oh! <gasps> I know. No. I didn't I know. I didn't see how he did it because I also didn't want to look into that. Yes. Um Oh my gosh. And then one thing I saw um said that he actually wet his bed until pretty late through like elementary and stuff. Of course I can't find it right now. I hate him. I know. Why do people hurt dogs? When he was 11, he was caught peeping into the windows of girls in his neighborhood. Ew. I know. And then when he was 13, he was arrested for burglary. And then, like, it kind of started being known to the 
to the local police yeah. just for like voyeurism. And then um, when he was 13, he was, in addition to the burglary, he was also arrested for vandalizing a candy store. And I'm like, what? why would you mess up a candy? Like, give me all the candy. Right. Don't mess it up. Also, when he was 13, he attacked a woman in front of his mom what? because the woman accused him of peeping. Then, when he was 16, get this. I could not find hardly anything on this, but when he was, hey, on your birthday, 8885. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> anyway, okay, when he was 16, this is serious. Be controlled. <laughs> um, he was arrested for second degree murder. What? But then, like, was released. I, like, literally, that's all I could find. Two things saying that when he was 16, he was arrested for second degree murder and was released. Whoa. Yeah. And so, on my birthday? On your on the actual date of your birth. Like that like That is so crazy. Eight eight eighty five. Do y'all want her social security number? Because <laughs> now you know her, you know her middle name, you know? <laughs> Then, while he was 16, he set fire to his own car to get the insurance money. What? Yeah. He's a hustler. I know. So, at 17, he was arrested again for being, you know, a peeping Tom. Oh, my gosh. And he had dropped out of of high school. He only had, I think, a 10th grade education um, because school was really hard for him, you know, with his borderline intellectual disability. He just, he really struggled in school. And so he dropped out, I think in 10th grade. So even though he had dropped out and he was having all of these arrests, he still never had to go to juvenile detention or anything. Wow! Like he always got away with it. When he was 19, he was arrested for attempted burglary, but the charges were later reduced to unauthorized entry. (laughs) Then later, like two months after that, he got married. Wait! I know. To Jacqueline Denise Sims. Well, he stole her heart. I mean, he stole a lot of things. <laughs> um, and they had a son who they named Derek Toddley Jr. And Original. A, right? And then a daughter named Doris Lee. She didn't get a middle name. She's not going to be a serial killer. So while they were married, he had a hard time holding down a job. Number one, because he was in and out of jail because he kept getting arrested for like harassing people or the peeping tom you know all those kind of little things how could you be married to someone who's like a peeping tom that wait but wait there's more oh gosh mm-hmm. so one two three about seven months yep i just counted that up <laughs> after they had gotten married he pled guilty to misdemeanor trespassing he was sentenced to therapy and then just didn't go to therapy What? And, like, this is where I have – this is my problem with the justice system is that, like, so you have this person creating – I mean, like, being arrested all these times. And I'm not saying that someone should go to jail for life for freaking being a peeping Tom. But we do know that that is typically a gateway drug. Yeah. For worse behavior. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's usually the start of something more serious like rape, murder, stalking, like those yeah. types of things. So it's like those types of little bitty petty crimes need to be taken more seriously because ultimately the people he's peeping on, they are violated. That yes. is their, that is violating them in their home when they're, sh- they should feel secure. Yeah. You know? And so I don't know. I just feel like if these types of crimes were taken more seriously and he actually did either have to go to therapy or serve time or what have you, because he was kind of figuring out, hey, I can talk my way out of stuff. Right. You know? Look, I'm getting away with all of these things. Like, it just creates a pattern that just keeps escalating. That's my other soapbox for the day. Oh, that is crazy. Yes. So, about a month after he pled guilty to the misdemeanor for trespassing, his, his wife called police because he was 
beating her. What the heck? And then threatened her father with a gun. And then so they ended up just charging him with disturbing the peace. Uh, and he served zero jail time. What the hell? Yep. Um, I mean, how did he get caught for whatever he did? This is going to baffle me, too, I'm sure. Yep. Well, then five months after that, he was arrested again for disturbing the peace after he got into a fight at a bar. Oh, my gosh. A lot of things said he had, like, almost, like, two different lives that he led. Really three, but he was the, <laughs> like, at home, he was, like, responsible. He was a father. He had a construction job that he worked hard at, took care of his family. Um, Beat them, but whatever. Yeah, well. But then on the other hand, he would go out to local bars and, like, he would get, like, he would dress all fancy and, like, go out to these local bars and would have all these affairs with different women. It's It says that Jacqueline, his wife, knew about the affairs, but she was like, no, I'm devoted to him. You know, even though he's cheating on me and he's been arrested, like, 800 times. <laughs> I love him. Girl. But, you know, some of the stuff, too, said that, like, when he did go to jail, it was almost like, oh, thank God, because it gave her a break from him and, like, his, like, <laughs> abusiveness. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. If you're happy about that. I know. Go. And, again, it's like you you never know yeah. what you're going to do in those situations. I've never been in an abusive relationship, so I absolutely have no right. way, no, no, nothing yeah. to... You know what I mean? It's not my totally. place because I've never been in that situation. I have no idea how I'd react. But please get help. There's help. Yes. If you feel relief when your husband is gone. Like prison too. Uh-huh. Like that's serious. Girl, reach yes. out, please. I know. Or boy. Or boy. Yes. We were actually talking about that the other day at work because same-sex partner abuse came up when we were talking. Mm. And when I was in school, I did one of my mental health rotations at the crisis center in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And we would get to like listen in on some of the calls because they would do like the suicide line. And they had there, it was called, you would dial 211 and mm-hmm. you would get to their like helpline. So if you were in an abusive relationship, they could tell you shelters to go to. Or if you yeah. um, were having like a mental break or someone you knew was having a mental break, they could like talk you through and like call the police for you for like, if you needed to be no, knew someone they need to Baker Act. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. So Baker Act is, it's was like a person and it was made a law. The act was made a law. And so if someone you know is a harm to themselves or others, mm. you can call the police and have them Baker Acted is basically what they say. And it just puts them on a, um, a three-day mental health hold. Oh, okay. And so, like, I, listening to those calls, I would hear some people call in and be like, they were they wanted to Baker Act themselves. Because um, they knew that it. they were in a bad situation or, you yeah. know. But one call that stuck out to me so much, and I, I mean, I can just still hear it to this day, was that it was um, a man in a same-sex relationship in which he was being abused. Mm-hmm. And he was terrified because well, aside from being abused, he was like, I don't know where to go to for a shelter because he lived with his partner who was the sole breadwinner. You know, yeah. he had all the money. And he was like, because if you think about in the LGBTQ community, when you think about where do they go for shelters, because yeah. at a women's shelter, men aren't allowed. Right. But if you're in a same sex relationship, those women are allowed in. So your abuser could come into your shelter. Right. And so it just, it was something that I had literally never thought of. And it was, it was mind blowing and eye opening just to think about what are the options for people 
in the LGBTQ community. Wow. PSQ community is hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Preach, girl. Preach. (laughs) Rural. You can't see my face, but... It's saying, shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, I love... Okay. One of the articles I read said the subtitle to this part was Money Creates More Problems. And every time I looked at it, I read... My money, my problems? Sure did. In 1996, his wife Jacqueline's father, the, you know, the one he held at gunpoint, um, her father was killed in a plant explosion. And so she got a quarter of a million dollars settlement Holy that. fuck. Yeah. yeah. So obviously he was like, hey, big spender. <laughs> and so he started buying clothes and cars and just... And he, so he had a girlfriend named Cassandra Green, and he spent a fuck ton of money on her. Wow. Could you imagine? Jacqueline. Like, first, could you imagine? Fuck you spending, my dad died, got us this money because he died in a fucking explosion. Yeah. And you're going to spend my money on your girlfriend? Fuck you. No, that's when you cut off his dick. <laughs> Lorraine and Bobbit his ass. Yes. By 1999, he had spent it all. <gasps> Three years, quarter of a million. Gone. What the hell? Yep. Well, so he was back to just living off of what he was making at his construction job. Well, Jacqueline, we need to talk, girlfriend. Well, now he had another mouth to feed because Cassandra gave a birth to their son, who they named Diedrich Lee. Oh. <laughs> Derek Diedrich Doris. God bless. So around the time when he was 24, He actually was sentenced to four years in prison for burglary, but he only served two. And that was in Zachary, Louisiana. And then when he was 26 and he got released, he moved to Lake Charles. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I got family there. Sup? (laughs) There he was arrested for peeping again and robbing a Salvation Army clothes drop-off. And so then he moved back to... Right. So then he moved back to St. Francisville. But that kind of back and forth of the Lake Charles and... Um, Zachary and all that was actually before his his father-in-law died. So after they got the money, um, his wife bought 25 caliber handgun and he was arrested for a DWI. And then get this, eight days after he was arrested for a DWI, he got a CDL. What? To drive a truck. What the hell? Yep. Oh my gosh. So then... This story makes me angry. I know. So then... He was stopped by the Zachary police for suspicion of peeping. He was not charged, even though they had a ID, a positive what? witness ID. The fuck people. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the judge was like, okay, look, we're suspending your driver's license because you didn't come in and all of that. Like, Well, who the fuck cares? Because he'd get pulled over and they'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's okay. It's all right. Mm-hmm. 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 So, again, I I mean, like, I feel like I could, like, every year or two say he was arrested for this peeping, and then he received probation, and then he was arrested for peeping again. Like, just know that weaved in through all of this is a bunch of little, like, yeah. So, now we're going to June 1999. Colette Walker, um, she is 36, and she lived in St. Francisville, Louisiana, which is where Derek's from. Um, She filed stalking charges against Derek Lee. After he not broke into her apartment, one thing says, like, muscled his way in. So she opened the door and he, like, kind of just forced himself in that way. So it wasn't like he was, like, picking her lock. But he did force himself in. And he was trying to convince her that they should date. Uh, Yeah. I know. I know. I know. But she kind of was able to get him out of the the apartment right then. Um, But he left his phone number with her and was like, you need to give me a call. (laughs) 
so a couple of days later, her friend is like, who's this guy that's like, he keeps lurking around the apartments. And she's like, I don't know him. He's been stalking me. Like, fuck that. Yeah. So then later he caught, she caught him like peeping in through her windows. And so she called the police. So he took a plea bargain for that. And received probation. And even though they were like, because she had the, um, like, the stalking charges. And I think she had a protective order against him. Like, they were like, so don't go back around Colette. And he was like, okay. When he got out, he tried to go back. But she was like, deuces and moved. So Good. he couldn't find her. Yay. Colette. Colette, you did it right, girl. Yes. She's probably like, thank you fucking God. Right. Okay. So then Cassandra, who was his girlfriend, they had been arguing a lot. And in February of 2000, she ended up getting a protective order against him because he was just being so violent to her. Yeah. So, three days after she got the protective order, he comes and finds her in a bar parking lot and beats the shit out of her. Fuck. So, she pressed charges and his probation was revoked. Um, And so, he spent a year in prison for that and then got out in February 2001. He was placed under house arrest. But then, in May, he violated the terms of his parole because he would take the the monitor off. Oh, my um, gosh. And leave his house. But guess what they didn't do? What? They did not send him back to prison when he violated his parole. What the They basically just gave him a slap on the wrist. It was like, don't you leave your house again. Okay, so you remember before when I said, like, he has a two sides and, like, well, really three? Mm Mm-hmm. So, he does have a third side. He's a woman. No. They don't really know when he committed his first rape or murder. Oh, my gosh. But what we do know is that in 1993, there were two teens parked in, like, not really a remote area, but they were just, like, you know, off in the... Lover's lane? Yes. That's actually what it said. So, the couple was out in the woods hooking up, and Derek came up on them with a six-foot harvesting tool. What? What that means, I don't know. I picture in like a sickle. So he started like hacking away at them and he only stopped because another car started coming up. And so he ran. Oh my God. Like, did they have the windows down? I don't know. Did he hurt him? Don't know. All I know is that he survived. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Good research, Carrie. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not just, you know, episode 10, something kind of big. Uh, Well, we're also on page three of 10. So true, true. this would be another 17 hour episode if I did every single little detail. <laughs> um, I left so much out of Ed Kemper. Like legit, you could do an entire season on just on Ed Kemper. Yeah, I know. I ha- I ended up having to cut two of my stories because it was going to be like two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, it was a long episode, but it was good. Um, Anyway, so they survived. And six years later, the girl, Michelle Chapman, remember her, she picked him out of a lineup as the attacker. That reminds me of the guy with the hook hand or whatever, that urban legend, Lover's Lane, and he would... Interesting. Oh, a hook hand, and then, like, they would hear scraping or something, and then, like, it would be, like, a hook on the door or some kind of stupid shit like that. So, Derek Lee's, like, raping slash killing spree would last another 10 years. (gasps) 10 years? There's reasons. Wait, when was that? Keep those wheels turning. (laughs) Because I know what you're thinking. Okay. On September 24th, 2001, Gina Wilson-Green, she was 41, a nurse and an office manager for Home Infusion Networks. Well, he just doesn't discriminate. He's like young teens. Oh, yeah. 
41-year-old. Which is why he was so hard to catch. Mm-hmm. Because his age spans. Mm. One of the reasons. So she was found murdered in her home on Stanford Avenue, which is right near LSU, Louisiana State University, mm. um, in Baton Rouge. And he raped and strangled her. Oh, gosh. They found that her person or cell phone um, were both missing. And then they found her cell phone like a couple of weeks later in an alley somewhere else in Baton Rouge. Wow. Um, And a couple of weeks before she was murdered, she told her friend and her mom that she felt like she was being watched. Yeah. Oh, gosh. This is backing up a little bit. But on April 18th, 1998, Randy Marier, or Marier, depending on where you live, but I imagine it's Marier in Baton Rouge. Um, She was a divorced mother of a three-year-old son, and she was raped, beaten, and stabbed to death as well. Oh, my gosh. Um, But I'm... Okay. So, she lived in Shadow Oaks, which is a subdivision in Zachary, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And... So, the day that she went missing, her three-year-old son was just found wandering around the front yard. Holy crap. I know. How heartbreaking. I know, I know. But, so they never found her body. There was a lot of evidence left in her house that connected Derek Lee to her. So, I'm not really sure how they know that she was, like, raped, beaten, and stabbed. But they did find, I guess because maybe they had DNA. And I don't know if it was his, like, I don't know if it was semen or blood, but they, they had... DNA and stuff in the house that connected them. So... Do you think the kid saw it? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. And then on January 14th of 2002, Geraldine DeSoto, she was 21 from Addis, Louisiana. She was a student at LSU, and she was going to graduate in that fall. I know. Dang. I know. He killed her like four months before she graduated college. Now, that sucks. I know. So, she, she... That morning... Does she still have student loans then? You know, what's so awful is that that was actually my first thought. (laughs) Like, I think if you die, your student loans do get transferred over to your estate. But then if there's no money, they just go away. Okay. But they can take, like, your estate. Damn. I I know. On the morning that she was murdered, she had made an appointment for a job interview that day. And then, obviously... You know, never made it there because yeah, um, they're like she was trying to get a job because she was wanting to go to grad school and gosh, she so she was trying to pay plans. to I know she was trying to pay her tuition. That's why she was getting a job and everything. Her husband found her body oh, inside their gosh. home. Gosh, she too had been raped, beaten, and stabbed to death. Damn, who is he? BTK. I know. So, Geraldine's house was actually on the main road that Derek Toddley took to work every day. Oh my gosh, like. Talk about bad luck. Yep. And so they actually, initially, her husband was the number one suspect in killing yeah. her. And then they found an owl. Then, <laughs> <laughs> no, then they found Derek Lee's DNA. <laughs> On May 31st, 2002, Charlotte Murray Pace, she was 21. She was murdered right before she was about to become the youngest student in LSU history to receive a master's degree in business administration. What the fuck? Yep. Her roommate found her dead in their apartment in Baton Rouge. Mm. And they had just moved into that apartment about a week before. And they had moved out of a rental house that was actually very close to where Gina Wilson Green, who was the first girl I told oh you about. Oh, my gosh. Very close to where she was murdered. 
What the hell? Yeah. Charlotte put up a fucking fight. Good for you. They said that she, like, just, it was, you know. Bloody. Yeah. But that, so her autopsy report said that she was raped, but she had been stabbed over 80 times. Like, that's how much of a fight she put up, though. Oh. That he had to stab her 80 times. Oh, my gosh. And then DNA linked Derek Todd Lee to her murder, too. Fuck you, Derek. I know. He's an asshat. <laughs> One, because he got away with everything before. I know. Two, because he spent all of his wife's Jocelyn's fucking... Jacqueline. Jacqueline, whatever her name is. But that's... I hate him, too, because of Jacqueline. Yep. And three, because he picks these victims that are about to achieve something great in life and takes it from them. I know. That they've worked so hard for. Yep. He doesn't know because he quit school. Well, and, you know, I want I wonder, too, like, if he struggled so much in school because he was borderline intellect with an intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he, because he did a lot of the killings around LSU, it sounds like. Was there a bit of a complex, I wonder? Maybe. I mean, I'm totally making that up on the fly. Like, I don't, <laughs> that's nothing I read, but I just wonder, you know, did he really have a bit of a complex or something? I'm sure. On July 9th, 2002... Diane Alexander of St. Martin Parish, because for the people who aren't from the states or know anything about Louisiana, the counties in the state of Louisiana are called parishes or a parish. So she lived in St. Martin Parish. She was raped and beaten and was strangled inside her house. But her son came in during the attack. So she survived and Derek Todd Lee like fled the scene. Good. Oh, gosh. So what she ended up doing was helping the police put together a composite sketch Oh, good. What's her name? Diane Alexander. She actually ended up publishing a book called Divine Justice that was inspired by the actual attack. Yeah. And... Making lemonade from lemons. Yes. She she calls it Divine Justice, though, because she, she talks about how, like, just the divine intervention yeah. of, I guess, her son coming in. Damn, I need kids then. No, you don't. <laughs> I'll have them, Maybe. And then we'll just take care of you. Never mind. I have Marley. Yeah, she'll get that raccoon. Um, (laughs) Okay. Three days later, Pamela Kinnamore, she was 44. She owned an antique store in Denham Springs, which is just, that's my, that's my um, pit stop whenever I go to Lake Charles, (laughs) Denham Springs. So it's like. 30 minutes east of Baton Rouge. But she lived in like a subdivision in Baton Rouge and I guess just owned the antique store in Denham Springs. Yeah. But she was kidnapped, beaten, and raped, and her throat was cut. Oh, oh, he's escalating. Yes. They didn't, like, they couldn't find any evidence that her house was broken into. Um, So they're thinking, well, maybe he came through a window or she just let him in. Yeah. They couldn't figure it out. Um, this is what I want to know. Like, how he got into all these places. I know. They found her body four days later in uh, Whiskey Bay, which is one of the bridges you go over um, when you leave Baton Rouge. I think it's west of Baton Rouge on your way to Houston. She wore, like, a little small toe ring, and that was missing when they found her body. And so the police were like, the killer must have taken oh it as a gosh. trophy. Yeah. Yeah, at least he didn't take her toe. Then, on November 21st, 2002, Trenisha Danae Combe was, she's 23. She was from Lafayette. So, her mother, this one's really sad. Oh, I mean, no. they're all really sad. Yeah. They really are all really sad. But, Trenisha's mother had just passed. Oh, gosh. And he kidnapped her from her mom's burial site. What the fuck? Yep. Her body was found three days later. 20 miles from where her car was found in Scott, Louisiana, and she had been raped and beaten to death. Oh, my gosh. I hate this fucker. Yep. The DNA uh, was, there was DNA that was later linked to 
hysterically. That is a sick son of a bitch. Yep. Then. A low down motherfucker. Sorry. No, you're good. Keep, what, you, you got more? <laughs> no. March 3rd of 2003, Carrie Lynn Yoder was living in Baton Rouge when she was kidnapped from her LSU apartment, beaten, raped, and strangled to death. Oh my gosh. So they found her body 10 days later in Whiskey Bay as well. Mm. But, in, like, it was decomposing and all. But unlike Pam's body, because that was the other one that was found, Carrie's body had been, like, carefully placed and switch, strike that reverse. <laughs> Pam's body was, like, kind of carefully placed, hidden behind the bushes and stuff. Whereas Carrie's body, like, it looked like he just chalked her from the bridge. <gasps> DNA, again, linked him to the crumb. So those are the like the, the known victims. So now okay. we're going to talk about the possible victims because again, remember I said like they don't actually know when his murder started and when yeah. they ended. Connie Warner of Zachary, Louisiana, she was bludgeoned to death with a hammer, and her body was found um, about ten days later on September second near Capitol Lakes in Baton Rouge. Wow. They couldn't find any evidence to link her, like with the DNA evidence to link her to. To Derek Lee, but this happened one year before those teens were attacked mm-hmm. that we know he did. And so we're like, well, that, we, because apparently I was part <laughs> of this. They're like, well, that probably wasn't his first to attack two people. Right. You know, like, I feel like that's yeah. kind of brazen to attack two people. Yeah. And so clearly he's done this before. Right. But here's the kicker. So those teens were attacked right behind Connie's house and Connie lived Right next to the victim in 1998, Randy Marier. Oh, my gosh. So, it was like all these people kind of lived and were intertwined. And so, it's like, no, he probably really did kill Connie Warner then. Yeah. Kind of in between Connie Warner and Randy Marier was another possible victim. Oh, shit. I don't know if you're ready for this. She's like smiling all. (laughs) Because you're going to shit your pants. June 13th, 1997. Eugene Boisfontaine. <gasps> oh my fucking fuck. <laughs> Is that where you were going earlier in your head when you were like, wait, when was this? Yes. Yeah. So for those of you who are like, why in the fuck is Donna freaking out? <laughs> if you didn't watch The Killing Fields, it was originally on A&E, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, Discovery picked it up and it was on Investigation Discovery for two more seasons, I think. Um, but they didn't do the second season. I don't. They didn't do the same case. But yeah, the first season was it. the first season was all about Eugene Boisfontaine. Okay, so the lead detective when she was murdered, Rody was the Rody Sanchez was the lead detective, and then Aubrey uh, San Angelo was his was the actual current detective mm-hmm. for the Iberville Parish Sheriff's Department. Rody was a retired detective that like this was one of the only cases that was unsolved, and so he was like, I want to come back and try to solve this, Aubrey was actually on the force and so they they teamed up and were trying to like open up this cold case to figure out who actually killed Eugene Boisfontaine. And Aubrey was hot H-O Shout out Aubrey if you're single looking to mingle. I love a man in uniform. Oh, for real. (laughs) And I love a man with a Cajun accent. Mm Mm-hmm. And marry me. (laughs) (laughs) When it came out, when they said the name, weren't you like, what the fuck is that name? And you rewound it so you could see it on subtitles. And it was like, because it spelled Eugenia. Eugenia. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like saying Eugenia in my head. Yeah. And because I saw, oh, like, me the too. Case, though I mean, you know? I'm not like. And what they were saying, I was like, "What the fuck is like 
I don't know those words. <laughs> and then my sister, who we, also loves true crime, she still cannot say that name. Well, but I feel like Boisfontaine, we would know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boisfontaine's no. not that, because it's like... Like, if it was, like, Dubois, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, we know that. B-O-I-S. And Fontaine's not that hard. But, yes, Eugenie is spelled Eugenia and, or Eugenie. That's really yeah. what it is, Eugenie. It really is a fun name to say. But, anyway. I mean, sorry that she died, but yes. I am so glad I learned well, her name. Well, and she was young, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Eugenie lived on Stanford Avenue near LSU. So, if you will recall. Bleep, 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 bleep. That. Charlotte Pace, she was, like, had just moved from that house on Stanford Avenue, which was close to where Gina Green lived when she was murdered. She was also found by water. But, so there's no evidence linking Derek Lee to her murder, but it's just the, the timeline and the proximity, the proximity to two other murders. Yeah. I mean, like, literally the same street, like Stanford Avenue, you know, and so it's just, it's, I don't know. But you know what's what's odd is I don't remember them ever talking about him on the killing fields. Do you? I really don't think so. Now I need to see it again. I know. I feel like I'd be, I would watch it with like new eyes. Yeah. So it's almost like, why in the fuck was he not captured? Like he killed for 10 years. Like how did nobody catch him? Well, there's a few reasons. Number one, he stayed on the move. Like, he was always changing jobs. He was always kind of moving around from the cities around South Louisiana. He was in and out of prison. And so, it was just kind of hard to kind of pinpoint, like, okay, well, this one over here and this one over yeah. here. Yeah. Even though they were, like, a few of them were from that same area, they still were being dumped in Whiskey Bay or, you know, all these yeah. different places. And so, you know, th- it was just hard to, like, put them all together. The w- the two bodies that he left at the boat launch at, at Whiskey Bay, mm-hmm. they were like, okay, This same guy, this is a serial killer. But it was hard to kind of link all those other people. Yeah. And then obviously, back then, communications from city to city Mm -hmm. among detectives was hit or miss. Yeah. And then so city to city, but also parish to parish. From 1991 to 2001... There were 53 unsolved murders of women in Baton Rouge. Whoa. The problem is that all of the women were from different backgrounds, ethnicities, various age ranges. Yeah. Um, And so they... They were, there was really no, like, rhyme or reason to it, you mm-hmm. know? And so they were like, is it one serial killer? Is it five serial killers? We don't know because there's so many different yeah. victimologies. So in 2002, they created the multi-agency task force that helped just the communication among the parishes so that they could catch the killer. Yeah. Sharing is caring, guys. <laughs> so... But one thing was, like, the task force ended up having more murders to solve, and they were, like, a lot more murders. So, two more years after they formed the task force, 18 more women were oh found dead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, it was, like, Whoa. they just kept being led in the wrong direction. It was, like, every time they thought they were figuring it out, yeah, they were heading down the wrong path. Wow. How frustrating. Yeah. So, Derek Todd Lee was a little bit different in that traditional serial killing Killer profiling just didn't work with him. Yeah. Um, most serial killers are white. He was black. Most serial killers choose victims from their own race or ethnicity. He killed both black and yeah, white women. Yeah, he didn't care. He didn't. He he wasn't like an opportunistic criminal, but he didn't have preference, it seems. Right. And then he also, like, a lot of serial killers will have, like, kind of like their signature, maybe like a way in which they kill someone. Yeah. Or, you know, they... 
leave a smiley face at the scene or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever. And and none of these murders had that. The only thing that he did that like really fit the mold of a serial killer was that he kept some trinkets from his victim, like the toe ring, mm-hmm. like the driver's license, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So when we're kind of going back to that 2002, when the task force was created, they released a composite sketch of a who they thought was a serial killer. And it was of a white man with like this long face and nose, long hair. And so they got a bunch of tips from that. But yeah. it wasn't until 2003 when they released the sketch that looked more like Derek Lee. <laughs> Derek Chadley. I was like, what's his name? <laughs> um, but it, then this was in response to a bunch of like women in St. Martin Parish that had been attacked. And so this this sketch was just like, hey, you know, this guy's a clean cut, light skinned black man, short brown hair, brown eyes. You know, they were like, he's probably in his late 20s to 30s. And it was like, that's when that sketch was released and they were able to kind of start honing in on him. And so then they got DNA and they were able to connect him to all of these, you know, yeah. different murders. And they were like, okay, yeah, you know what? He actually looks like the new, like this, this sketch. Yeah. When they got his sample for his DNA, they like did a rush job on it. So like in a couple of weeks, they had that his DNA matched samples taken from Yoder, Green, Pace, Kenamore, and Colm. So five of those seven that we talked about, he had, there were DNA samples. So he and his family fled from Louisiana the day, like the day that he gave his DNA because he vo- he gave it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. So he they fled to Atlanta. And it was like the day after his DNA was like, oh, it matched. They called him like that day in Atlanta. Like he was not hard to find. Yeah. Good job fleeing. You didn't get very far. <laughs> he had to go to the Coke Museum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. So on August 2004, he was found guilty of murder in the second degree for Geraldine DeSoto and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And then in October of 2004, he was found guilty for the rape and murder of Charlotte Murray Pace and was sentenced to death by lethal injection. In 2008, the Supreme, the Louisiana Supreme Court held up his conviction and sentenced to death. So while he was on death row, he was in Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary, which if you have ever watched, which like down here, Angola is known like you don't yeah. fucking go to Angola. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know how you hear about Rikers? Down here, we hear about Angola. Yeah. <laughs> and so you should catch that on an episode of Lockup if you watch that show, because they do like a stint in Angola and you don't fuck with that prison. <laughs> um, so anyway, while he was there, January 21st, 2006, he was transported to Lane Memorial Hospital in Zachary and he died like of natural causes, like heart disease, natural causes when he was 47. So he was never put to death. God took care of it. Yes. Back to the urban legend thing that you were mentioning when yeah. you were like, oh, the, oh, hook. the hook man. Yeah. Okay. This isn't the hook thing, but there is an urban legend attached to him. Whoa. So in 2003, you're going to shit when I tell you this urban legend because we just talked about it the other day. Oh my gosh. Um, They said that what he would do was he had taped sounds of a crying baby at the door. <gasps> yes. That would like lure the victims out um yeah i'll tell you why she's making that face that y'all can't see in a second so um and then criminal minds did um two episodes in season three about like a serial killer that Uh lured women out with the sounds of a crying baby he made criminal minds well so according to snopes it's all an urban legend that like no it lee didn't do that and that like like no serial killer has actually done that Oh. But I don't know. But the reason why that was so like, I was like, oh my God, I have to include that is because the other day, 
like, this was like episode two, maybe, or three. Donna came over to my house because she has the worst internet on the fucking planet. (laughs) And so she came over to my house so we could upload the episode. And there was this... I don't know, cat outside. I think it was a cat. And it wasn't the first time I heard it, so I wasn't terrified. So there was this cat outside that was whining, and it sounded like there was a baby at my door. Like, legit a baby. And I told Donna, I was like, I heard that the other day, and I was like, I'm not fucking going out there. I've heard of serial killers, like, luring women outside with the sound of a baby crying at their doorstep. And I was like, we're not fucking opening that door. I'm pretty sure it's a cat, because it's the second time I've heard it. But we're not opening that door. Because I don't have a cat. Like, we right. have a dog on the inside. <laughs> like, I've never had an outside animal in my life. And so, we were like, she was like, Donna was like, holy fuck, when she heard it. She's like, that sounds just like a baby. And I was like, I know. You know, that's <laughs> I why. I made Carrie wa- watch as I went out to the car that night. Yes. Well, and you know what I said, too, when I texted Donna the other night after listening to <laughs> um, Let's Not Meet. I was like. If that fucking cat was underneath my carport again, like doing that crying sound, because it's under a carport too, so it was just like echoey. Oh my god! I was like, I would have shit my pants if that cat would have been in my carport when I got home listening from Let's Not Meet. But yeah, so I was like, oh my god, funny that you said urban legend, and then holy fuck that we had just talked about this urban legend because I thought it was real. So crazy. I know. So that's Derek Lee. Oh, my gosh. Well, I hate him. Uh, He's a fuckface. Legit. Mm-hmm. I really, I want to go back now and watch season one of The Killing Fields. Girl, me too. Well, because then I'm like, I'm trying to think about all the people. I know, and it's been so long since I've watched that watched that season that I'm like, shit, I don't remember anything. Yeah. I mean, I remember a couple of people like watching them bring people in and interview in, but it was so long ago. I mean, it's 20, yeah. 21 years ago now. So it's so frustrating watching that, though, like all the... I don't know how people do cold cases because all the places that they went just were so different mm-hmm. and just having to find the same people who worked at that bar that she went to. That or, Yeah. Or they're dead now. And it's yeah. like just now. I mean, if you didn't know anything else, just knowing that that she lived on the same street that Charlotte Pace had just moved from, who yeah. also lit, um, like Gina Green lived there too, and so it's like there's just too many coincidences, yes. and coincidences usually don't happen in murder. Yeah, I learned that from Murder Chose Me. <laughs> oh, ID, ID, I, I love, love that. Yeah, um, but he says that like when he's taught when he's about to do interviews or whatever, and he's mm-hmm. like. You know, there's no coincidences in murder. Yeah. But yeah, so that's Derek Todd Lee. Wow. The serial killer from Baton Rouge. I had no idea. Me neither. You know, there's technically um, like a quasi-active serial killer in Jennings, Louisiana right now, too. Really? It's been going on since I think right before I moved to Houston. Wow. Um, so like 2009-ish. I want to say it's 12 or 13 girls that have gone missing um and they are all sex workers Mm. and so there's like there's really like no trace of them we just know that they're missing and um so jennings is about 30 minutes east of lake charles and about an hour west of baton rouge um so it's kind of in that area too because it's really only about 30 or 45 minutes from Whiskey Bay where he dumped. Yeah. But anyway, so there I think it's 13 women. That is know. so scary. But there's a um a billboard right like right when you get into Jennings it's like have you seen us or do you know you have any Gosh. information that's like all their faces. That is so sad. It's really sad. But it's just crazy like uh, like the shit that people can do now in forensics to catch 
killers. And it's like, how do serial killers get away with it? Right. Like, how do, like at this day and age, like, when you can use the mass spectrometer and, like, be yeah. like, that's a that's a fiber from a carpet made in at Angola by inmate 413. You know, yeah. like, I mean, like, they can, they know so freaking much now, but it's yes. like, still, in this day and age, people get away with it. It's mm-hmm. mind-blowing. Because they keep evolving, too. True. I was just, sorry, I was just thinking about, like, people and just how scary it is to be taken, like... Oh, my gosh. Or whatever, and let's not meet. God, he rules my life. <laughs> Andy, you, like, you own me. Um, <laughs> but he was talking about the story, and it was this girl. I don't know what episode, so... Sorry, Andy. Yeah, and I'm not sorry for you because you won't remember this by the time you get there um, to that episode. But she was playing with her puppy outside, and this guy came up, got out of his car, and was like, hey, that's my dog. And she's like, no, it's my dog. No, 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 that's my dog. Look, come here. I have a picture. I can show you that it's my dog. And she, like, thank God this little girl was like, no. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. And then her brother saw it and, like, came out and was like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. You know, and he... He left. He left. Oh, my god. But it's like, how fucking smart, though. Yes. Like, on the spot, hey, she has She's a puppy. She's dog. Whatever. You know, like... Golly. Like, that is so scary. When you don't realize how, like... I think it's a show on ID. I think it's called um, Stalked Obsession or Obsession Stalked, something like that. And it's just people telling their stories of having been the object of someone's obsession. Hell, that may even be the name of the show. (laughs) Um, It may be Object of obsession stalked or something like that anyway <laughs> and that i mean they i mean some of these episodes they're stalked for years God. and it's just like god the fear that that show like that's one of the only shows that scares me just like the fear mm-hmm. that someone violating your space that's the word i couldn't think of a couple episodes ago violating your space and like your safety like, i just yeah. cannot even imagine no, and I'm so paranoid anyway. Same. Like, again, I don't like the windows open. A, a peeping Tom would hate this because he'd be like, what the fuck? I can't see anything. <laughs> I mean, you can't even see my shadow. I'm like, <laughs> blackout curtains, everything. I mean, I do love a nap. <laughs> but also, you were talking about one of the victims, and I was just thinking, gosh, if you were thinking about that you were stalked, and I think she actually... Yeah, yeah, she had told her mom and her mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, change up your routine. Like, you know, in my head, not trying to victim blame, but just, you know, in my head, talking to, you know, talking about it while you're talking about it. Yeah. And then I was thinking, I have a routine without even having a routine. Uh-huh. And you don't think about it. Right. Like, I don't go at a certain time, but I do go... Within this window. Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, how do you... I mean, you know what I mean? It's well, your life. Like, right. One, it's like, if you have to be at work at 8 o'clock every day, you have to be at work at 8 o'clock every yeah. day. You could take a different route to work. I mean, unless you work from home. Yeah. Okay. You. <laughs> yeah. you know, and then like... Okay, you go to lunch every day at 12, so you're going to change your lunch. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you could change up again where you go eat or bring your lunch or whatever, but you can't change the times. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, change up your routine, but how much can you truly like you can. change up your life? And then they're just going to catch on exactly. and adapt. Exactly. 
follow you from home instead of catching you while you're at work. Yeah, that is so scary. But I'm just so glad, too, that the stalking laws have gotten so much stronger. Because yes. stalking is such a like a precursor for, like, murder. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it escalates so often yes. that it's like, thank God that they're... The stalking laws are finally taking the seriousness of stalking. And also, like, I don't know, you watch these things and it's like, why wouldn't you take that seriously? I know. And, like, cyber stalking and stuff like that. That is so legit. I know. Ugh. That frustrates me, too. Like, all of that. Yeah. But I was just thinking, too, like, because I am so paranoid, anytime I feel like someone's following me, I do take a different route. Uh, Yeah, we've done that together pretty mm-hmm. recently, in fact. Oh, um, now. Oh, my God. Tell that story. Okay. So, a couple weeks ago, Donna and I were coming back to her house from dinner or something. I don't know. We go out to eat all the damn time. <laughs> and, and again, I live out in the country. Yeah. So, this car gets behind us. And it was night. Yes. And they turn their headlights off for a second. I mean, I don't know, 10, 5 seconds, I don't know. Yeah. And turn them back on. And I was like, what the fuck? They just turned their headlights off. And, you know, yeah. thinking, okay, well, maybe they meant to, like, like they were just, like, checking them. Like, yeah. oh, shit, did I turn, you know, it was, I don't, can't remember, remember if it was an older car, so maybe not automatic headlights right. or something, you know. And so we were like, oh, that's weird. But then they did it again. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, oh, shit, flashback to middle school when you're like, oh, that's an urban legend. Never flash yes. at somebody with their <laughs> lights off because that's a gang initiation. Yes. And they're going to come back and kill you. <laughs> and so we we're like, holy shit, you know, because, again, they're behind us. So I couldn't flash my lights at them anyway. But they were like, did it again. And we're like, holy fuck. Like, that's not an accident. Yeah. I mean, they were like going off for a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds on. Then yeah. they would do it again. Off, then on. Uh, they did it six or seven times. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, we're going to go a different way to Donna's house because this is scary. Like, are they following us? Are they trying to signal something to us? Yes. We're not pulling over because we're no. in the boondocks and we're not pulling yeah. over. And so, and so we turned a different way to like go this uh, god awful big old loop de loop around to go to Donna's house. Well, they turned down that road. And continued. I mean, because that's like a two-mile road. Yeah. And they were with us almost the full two miles. And we were like, holy shit, they're still following us. And like, the light's still going on and off every so often. Like, no rhyme or reason to it. No pattern. No, you know, just like on and off every couple of times. And we were like, holy shit. And then they finally turned off. And we were like, thank God. And went went home. But, I mean, like, at that point, the only option then would have been turn back towards town. Yeah. And... Go to the go, police station. Go, yeah. Been like, follow me here, fucker. Right. But that was so scary. It was just like the, I would have never even noticed that car following us. Because mm-hmm. they weren't, they weren't, I don't think yeah, they were they, actually following no, us. I have weren't. no idea what that was about. They probably had a short in their lights or something. You no, know? they probably were just teenagers. True, true, true. But teenagers need to learn, especially not in the country, don't do that you shit. You get your ass shot. Yes. And hit, because it's dark out mm-hmm. here. I don't even know how they were driving for seconds without the headlights on, I know. But it was probably just teenagers. But had they not, I mean, just somebody following in behind you, you know, had they not been doing that headlight stuff, they could have followed us all the way to your house and I never even would have thought, until we turned on your road, I'd have been like, oh, hey, they're turning on your road too, because it's not like a a through road. Yeah. That would have been the only time that I was like, damn, they're turning here too. Yeah. So it just that, and the whole point of that is that it's that easy for someone to be able to follow your routines and follow Mm -hmm. you and you not even notice it. So how long do they follow you before you go, damn, I feel like somebody might be following me. Right. Well, and too, like I said, people talk to Marley Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so weird shit always happens, you know, like where people will roll down their window and like, we'll be talking to her and she's in the back seat with her head out. 
what I was going to say, with your window down. Yeah. And so I'm like, so I'm so used to it. So if someone was kind of sketchy mm-hmm. and hanging around or whatever, I really wouldn't even notice it because I'd be like, oh, he's looking at Marley. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. So that's really actually scary. <laughs> well, and so yesterday, because it was raining when I left work today. Yesterday when I left work, when I got in my, my SUV, I was like sitting there reading some of my text messages, catching up and like the Facebook posts and all that. Mm-hmm. And I saw one of my coworkers walk into his car on my left, and like I turned and looked at him, but I was still reading the messages. And I turned to my right, and one of my coworkers was like standing in my window looking at me, and I was like, "Shit!" Like I jumped, it oh scared the gosh. shit out of me because he was parked beside me. He was getting in his truck, so he was like, "She's not paying attention to me. Let yeah. me be obnoxious." But it was funny. Completely, like he could have broken that window. You know what I mean? Yeah. Completely oblivious. S- saw the guy on my left, yeah. but not him, and he was closer. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So. What are the things we learned this week? Um, one, Eugene Boisfontaine is the funnest name to say. Everyone say it with us. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really like saying that name. Eugene Boisfontaine. <laughs> and I love their accent when they say it. Which is what I just tried to do, but I don't know if it came across. No, it didn't. Eugene Boisfontaine. No. No, still no. Whatever. <laughs> Everybody in Louisiana is like, God. <laughs> okay. Number two, don't fuck a ghost. <laughs> I mean, unless they're good. I mean, if you're hard up. A girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. Right? I don't know, though. They do kind of stick around. True. Can you please stop making noise? Go away. You know, I mean. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. So we're back to don't fuck a ghost. Yeah. I mean, they're not even, like, leaving their toothbrush over. They're, like. Not leaving. Period. Yeah. They're the kind that's like, let's watch a movie afterward. I just want to cuddle. Oh, Netflix has a new show let's binge it let's not <laughs> let's get a pizza let's have you go home mm-hmm. i mean order the pizza but then you then you leave. leave make sure you get me um a side of cheesy bread too <laughs> <laughs> and garlic sauce cinestics <laughs> extra icing <laughs> um number three i think fits both of them okay don't make assumptions Yes. Because with Derek Todd Lee, they didn't catch him for so long because they used what they knew of serial killer profiling. They thought he was white. They thought he was like multiple people because he didn't kill within his race. You know, all these things. And so they, which I know that there's a science to it and it's never exact, but they just made assumptions about the number of killers and all of that. And he just kind of, like, debunked all of that, you know? Right. He did not fit the mold. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, if you're not catching it based on somebody not fitting the mold, move on. Yeah. Figure out something different. I really do think he killed Eugene Boisfontaine, though. Yeah. I really do. So, Rody, call me up. Aubrey. Aubrey, call me really up. Really call me up. <laughs> Slide right into my DMs, uh, Aubrey. <laughs> Slide into something else on me. The Smurls. I feel like a lot of assumptions were made about who they are and what they were going through. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just think about it, what do you spell with assume? You make an ass out of you and me? Yep. And it's what do you get when you oh. assume? <laughs> Smurl you later. Damn. Oh. Yes, I did it. Winning at the stupid pun <laughs> that we love. Yeah, dad joke. All right, remember. Creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.